Not everything metal was created equal. What an ugly thing to say. The Metal Sucks Podcast. Shiggity Chuck and Godless attempt to bring order to chaos or just make stupid jokes about dumb people. Stupid. A person below normal intelligence. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast. Greetings and salutations, oh, my oh, oh. friends. Welcome to another edition of the Metal Sucks Podcast. Yes. Uh, what the hell are you over there? <laughs> ho, ho, ho. Uh, Merry Christmas, everyone, and all that good stuff. Happy holidays. I'm Chickity Chuck. I'm Godless. And uh, this is That's where we, uh, we square away all the great opinions about metal right here in one podcast uh, for MetalSucks.net. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes and all that goodness. Uh, because you want this coming right to your uh, inbox or iPhone or iPad or whatever. Yeah. Or uh, make sure you hit us up on Mondays, every single Monday on uh, MetalSucks.net, except for the next two, because this is our last one of the year. Mm-hmm. What? Oh, damn. Yeah, we got to get out of here early. It is crazy, because it's the last week of the year. We wanted to do like just like a, a total, like uh, uh, what do you call it, evergreen episode. I know, right? Yeah. And- Everything happens this week. Joey Jordanson leaves Slipknot. Slipknot I know. And then there was uh, the, the the Ken Mo thing we got to talk about. Yeah. There's a lot of different things that are going on in metal. And we just wanted to like square up. Let's just talk about the best of 2013. Yeah. No, no, no. You can't, you can't get away with that. And I'm, I'm like two-thirds of the way through DX Ferris's uh, Slayer book, you know? So it's like, you know, all right, let's talk about that. All I'm right. learning so much. I didn't know. But see, we need, it, we need to get the Kerry King interview before... Uh, before you can talk about that or the Dave Lombardo interview. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that'll be fun. Or we can actually talk to him and find out about, hey, give us all sides of it. I don't know. Can I say real quick about that book? What's cool about it, and, you know, because put it on your Christmas See list. What you're doing? See what you're doing right now? Sorry, it's a plug. But, but yeah, getting <laughs> no, off topic. Not, not right? even that. You're getting way off topic. Uh, sorry. But but what's cool about it is that he's got all these cool links to, like, you know, he's like, oh, and then Slayer came out on stage and it was a European festival. It was our first European festival everywhere. They were really nervous. And then click. That's the video of that performance. And it's like, so it's taken me forever to read this book because then I'm like, you know, I read a book in two places. I read it uh, uh, in bed, which is very rare, or when I'm on the toilet, which is why I spend nearly two hours on the toilet every day. (laughs) But like, like it's the only place I can get privacy. Yeah, I'll spend like an hour reading and then all of a sudden I click the link and it's an hour later after that is when the concert finishes, you know? (laughs) Oh, it's so cool. And I still haven't even dropped anybody off at the pool, you know? It's like, oh, (laughs) damn it. No, I haven't actually done what I came in here to do. I came in here to make baby seals. Uh, God damn it. What son of a bitch? (laughs) What the hell's going to happen? But uh, yeah, it's. Let's see what the hell's happened this week. I get to see Megadeth this week, oh, which was uh, which really, was oh, really interesting because uh, Megadeth Dave Mustaine I think is going to be our first interview of uh, 2014 or on the first episode of uh, the Metal Sucks podcast. Our our mediocre interview with, <laughs> with Dave Mustaine is not you know that that'll be it the was first a good one. one. It was pretty good. It was all right. But, but what I liked about it was that. I was like, afterwards, I'm like, screw like trying to get an hour with him next time. I want like an afternoon. I know, right? We there, really do. The dude will talk, and he'll talk about just about anything. But the story of that show was not about Dave Mustaine and Megadeth. The story of that show was Fear Factory. Is that man. right? Oh, wow. Wow. Fear Factory was awful. See, and Fear Factory are like one of my like fi- all-time favorites. And it's not that they uh, oh, they were terrible. They, they, they just did not have the crowd. You know what? You've seen a band do it before where where the crowd's just not on their side and they're having one of those nights and 
it becomes this adversarial thing oh, and man. it was yeah it was pretty bad honestly they they were having a tough time they just didn't sound good Bur- burton burton when he was screaming sounded awesome like his scream sounds great his sing oh god i was on the outside and (laughs) that actually sounds better than he did so it was pretty pretty bad and the crowd was just not into it they were totally a megadeth crowd all they wanted to see was megadeth so he's like all right everybody clap your hands and like two dudes are like (laughs) and he's going i thought this was a metal show come on everybody oh come on this is a metal show i know it's a wednesday night but come on and begging the crowd to kind of get into it and it was it was bad now when i went it made me it made me sad and especially in this town what happens is is people are just like yeah fuck you yeah 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 sorry we're gonna go outside and smoke yeah yeah yeah, so you can suck my ass and that's pretty much what happened it was pretty pretty terrible now that venue is a really unique one it's not like just a bar it's like a high-end sound very very no, exactly. intimate it's a it's it's well it's an a- acl live if you've ever seen the show acl austin city limits you kind of get a feel for it but not really that there's right. three balconies up above it so you got people surrounding you all over the place and the crowd and the bar is actually really close so it's kind of a flat venue and everybody's got a really good spot up front so you can see everybody's face yeah. when you're on stage yeah. and I just had to feel that he, yeah, he wasn't happy with what he saw. No, no, yeah, they're they're not coming back to town anytime soon. Uh, did they have the seats on the no, floor? No, 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 they no, ripped no. out the seats. No, it's a GA. They, okay. they, I don't think they ever have seats on the floor. No, they did for R.A. Speedwagon. Well, that's because you guys are all like nine hundred years old. Hell yeah, fat old ladies need chairs to sit in. <laughs> we can't do that for R.A. Speedwagon. You think I'm going to stand for forty five minutes? Yeah. Fuck you, whatever. <laughs> totally. No, not for you. Made you made R.A. Speedwagon, but you missed Megadeth. Yeah. Oh. Isn't that crazy? Never mind. Did you have your cell phone out? Uh, Were you taking pictures? Uh, no, no. No? I wasn't, but I was too busy singing along. Were you doing selfies with yourself in the stage, like going, hey, oh, what's man. up, bro? Yeah, Everybody me. was doing that. Check Everybody. this out. It's me on stage, man, with the band. It's like, cool. Freaking annoying. That's the newest newest thing. Like Everybody was doing that in Megadeth, too, and it was pissing oh, me off. Yeah, total pisser. That, 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 that just, there's no call for that. All right, no so th- this is my segue into the into the Ken, Ken Mode topic here job. because Ken Mode posted this past week an open warning to people attending our shows. If you stand in front of us and text while we are performing, expect to either be bathed in quite a directed or wait, what was it in quite directed mucus or have your phone kicked from your hands by a man with a guitar or bass in his hands. Expect it. No more being polite ever. If you if you want your phone ruined, do it. This on uh, Ken Mode's Facebook page. How awesome is that? I kind of agree with them in that. In this case, I kind of think that uh, you need to have your device uh, severed from your body, or either that or implanted into your body, <laughs> one or the other. Because I'm so fucking tired of looking at people's screens at shows. Uh-huh. I really am. It's getting like the most annoying thing in the world and now this whole selfie with the stage thing is really aggravating like yeah. i don't know if there's a new trend or what but i've just noticed people start to do that but it's bigger shows that they're doing it at oh that sucks oh yeah it was, it's, the it's selfie thing is really bad I, I i mean the texting thing see i agree with ken mode but i think i disagree I, I agree with them for different reasons like i think that if your show is lame enough that people are pulling out their phones to do something else right then you got to improve your show yeah 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 well, I, I kind of get that. But, I mean, there there are times when 
my buddy's trying to get in the club or something. I've got his ticket and I've got a text him or whatever. But right. Uh, but I'm also very polite about that. Like usually I will back off to the back of the show and I will do what I got to do or go go to the bathroom or whatever, go in the other room or go outside and do this and, and get out of the way. So it's not annoying. I mean, I do like to take pictures of bands when I'm on, you know, when they're on stage. But usually, I'll take one shot, post it real fast, put yeah. my phone away for the rest of the set. You got a responsibility to like six hundred thousand followers on soundtracking or something like that. So <laughs> not even that. It's my my sixty six people on Twitter want to want to make sure <laughs> make sure that I saw that really crappy picture of uh, of Megadeth on. Oh, that, look at that! That's kick ass right there. You see what he did there? No, they not not really, but. I at least, you know, have some kind of media, quote unquote, job right. or whatever. And that sort of requires me to do some sort of thing at a show. But for the most part, who's going to watch your stupid YouTube video that has no, the worst sound in the world? The video is shaky and awful. Who's going to go back and watch that? You aren't even going to go back and watch that crap. See, you gave me a lot of crap a couple of weeks ago, but... I think that Watsky posted a thing on Twitter that if you pull out your phone during his show, he's going to climb over the Raptors and fall on your ass. Nah, see, that chick that broke both her arms, she's not going to be able to film any more of those. Either that or it's, she's going to have one of those things where she can just mount it to the front of her cast. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> How about that selfie? <laughs> That'll be fun. Uh, good times. No, it's. I think it's... It's sort of baiting, like you're you're kind of baiting people to get get into an argument, which is an argument that can or cannot be made. I see. Just if you're at a show, you paid the the price of admission to go see a show. You can do whatever the fuck you want. I can take a picture of your band. I can stand here. I can flip you off. I can throw a bottle of water at you. I can do whatever I want. Why? Because I paid to be here. So you know you can you can suck it. Uh, so I kind of see that point. No, I don't see that point. But okay. But but I don't agree with it <laughs> that's, oh. uh, i mean that's not okay. what i don't think that's right yeah but i see where people can sort of take that part of it it's like well if i paid for this then so be it but i don't know man. i think it's a responsibility of the band if you see are seeing lots of people in your in the front row now you've seen ken mode what like 15 times or something well but the problem is is that you don't want you don't want to become fear factory you don't want to be, create an advers adversarial relationship with the crowd if you piss off your crowd you're going to lose them Mm -hmm. Now, if that guy up front is pissing, just it's just you. Knock the phone out of his hand. And don't say anything about it on microphone. Now, if you go off on it on microphone, you, you, there it's a possibility that the crowd could turn on you. It's See, fun, and I'm not saying like you know lynch you or anything. I'm just saying that the that you can lose that momentum of your show and that kind of thing. It's not worth that. You know, it's not worth sucking the life out of a show for one dumbass who's texting up front. When I'm seeing Ken Mode. Like, if I had seen them, like, before this tweet, I got my phone tucked away. Now, after that tweet, my phone is out because I want to catch some video of them kicking people's phones out of their heads. <laughs> right. And yelling about it. Dude, That's awesome. That's the best thing ever, man. Man, I think there ought to be some plants. I mean, this could be, like, the guar of technology, you know? They could just get a whole bunch of people up front. Pull, pull out fake cell phones. Every, now, everybody take your old uh, your old iPhone yeah. 3 up there. Let's see, and, if, uh, see if I can get my ass kicked. Bam, come on, man. Let's be fun. <laughs> it could be kind of awesome. They are so good live, and I get that. You know, So I, I see exactly where they're coming from, and you should be watching that show. You shouldn't be tweeting it or filming it or whatever. But but are they doing anything other than standing there? That's what I want to know. Well, they're. I mean, it's like they're bouncing around and i mean okay it's, i mean it's i mean i don't expect them to be diligent or escape plan but i would expect them to i don't know like do they have like a backdrop 
Do they have <laughs> some, I don't know, flamethrowers? No, no flamethrowers. Confetti? No, 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 no. I didn't see any confetti last They time. don't have police sirens? They don't have... No, no, no police lasers. sirens. Lasers? Uh, there might have been some blinky lights in there somewhere. Invest in some lasers or something. But I mean, see, come on. You can get lasers but on see, the cheap, that, can't you? That's the thing, though, is that, that, there's, that means there's nothing to take pictures of. You put more stuff up there, people are have to take pictures. People have to take pictures of Iron Maiden. Yeah, know? but they're not texting. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, the picture thing, you're just not going to get away with it. Until but, Google Glass comes along and you can but just i'm just saying that, that, right that it eye. may look like he's texting it may look like they're posting a picture of the band on facebook and telling saying whoever their fans are how awesome they are right so it it's also sort of counterintuitive because you want to get some people talking about yeah, your band on facebook that's a good point i hadn't thought of that so if these people are doing two things so a lot of time they're taking pictures of your band they're posting you on facebook they're tweeting about your band and the show that's going on right now uh-huh that's kind of a thing that you want to happen with your band. You want people to be talking about your band, and, and right now is a great time to be talking about your band. So maybe they while have, it's going on, maybe they ought to do like what they do for press, where it's like they only allow press for the first three songs, and after that you got to get out. So it's like first three songs, tweet everybody. Yeah, that's kind of how I treat it. I've, mm. I've I've always treated it that way, where I just take a couple of pictures, unless something crazy's happening in the in the middle of the show. But I try to get my phone out of my hands during the show after at least the first two songs right that's why most of the pictures you'll see even though they're blurry and stupid half the time uh, they're just uh they're nobody's sweaty yeah <laughs> you yeah. know it's like the band is like all fresh you know that's why because it's right away at the at the beginning of the show because i just want to get it knocked out yeah and i don't want to have to worry about it i, I want to watch the show i don't want to watch my screen that's right. the thing that annoys me is i see people that sit there the entire show and all they do is watch that stupid little screen yeah and not pay attention to the band. And then I look on YouTube for the next like two weeks, and they are not posting that video. So what are they doing with that video? What in the world is... Oh, it you doesn't, know what I mean? It doesn't even matter. Who cares? I mean... You, Megan, well, I want to know if you're doing like something Megan, like the that. Megadeth the other played the same, the same set they played before. So yeah. it doesn't really... You know, who exactly. cares? Yeah. It doesn't matter. I mean, that, that, that doesn't... They're not, you're not getting anything special. Especially from the crappy video you're filming off your, off your iPhone. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I think that puts too much responsibility on the individuals in the audience. I think that there needs to be maybe, you know, maybe that's it. After the third song, you know, Mr. Ken Mode says, hey, look, I'm going to kick your ass if you got your cell phone out from here on in. Get Or, or after the second song, you got one song left. And after this, I'm kicking your ass. But I think it's the same problem that you have, like I had with Fear Factory, is that if you if you say something like that and you put your put your mm. ass on the line like that, People are going, whatever, dude. You well, know, they, screw you. It's my phone, bro. Well, you, you know, know, like Alamo no. Draft House has got a really good thing with their dude. Before a movie, they'll put on a funny little, like, don't, you know, yeah. turn off your yeah, yeah, your yeah, yeah. your uh, phone or we're going to kick your ass video. And that's kind of funny. And maybe that's what Ken Mode need to do is audio intro that basically establishes the rules of the Ken Mode concert, you know? It's a fucking metal show. Yeah, I know, but do it it's funny. It's a fucking metal show. The rules of the metal show. Yeah, rules of the metal show. Rules of the metal. Come on. Did you just say that? I mean, really? <laughs> Let's establish some ground rules at this metal show. Okay, people. No, but you do All it. right, there's going to be a mosh pit, but we don't want anybody hitting each other, okay? Yeah, no, so but- <laughs> uh, we want to make sure that everybody's safe out there tonight. So be very careful. We don't want any saliva and or blood on anybody no, because but- there's a possibility of hepatitis and or AIDS being passed around. But you do so like a, be safe but you do, But you do like a, do it in a funny way. Do I know, I know. I, 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 get, I get what you're yeah. saying, but, but I mean, establishing rules at a show. I'm just saying, that's... Well, that's 
that's what they're saying. They, they put a I, thing out on Twitter. They're establishing their rules. They're it, saying, hey, look, you do this, there's consequences. But we ripped on our boys in the sword for saying no moshing at their shows. Yep. It's the same. And so I'm going to, I can't, this is just the same. Yeah, maybe they'd need the sword to go on the road with Kenmo to be like, a, <laughs> we're going to kick <sighs> your ass, Mr. Audience Member Tour. Well, this is, yeah. This <laughs> stand is, still. Stand still and watch our fucking band. <laughs> stand still and watch our band tour. <laughs> that's all you're gonna get out of this show i love it i love it i love it i love it oh man we got we are going to talk about our best of 2013 this show i don't give a shit we are gonna get there and talk about our best of 2013 even if we go along but we also got a chance to sit down with kirk winstein of crowbar and that dude is a badass he is such a nice dude man you guys are gonna love this interview i mean including um if you listen close you can hear eastbound and down in the background a couple of times because <laughs> we were sitting at uh sitting at a bar a uh, couple or right around the corner from the venue and and it's like well it's kind of quiet and then boom somebody gets on the jukebox and oh <laughs> <laughs> goes to town Welcome but to Texas. it's actually it was a it was a really good interview we got to talk to him a lot about um, him leaving down and uh that situation and how it worked out and you know where he got into music and how his wife has inspired him and he's changed quite a bit from what even the last time i interviewed him a couple of years ago he's he's quite a different dude see so. and i'm like a huge exhorter fan i used to love exhorter right and like i always like would, would rip on people like oh dude pantera they are, they are, they came from Exhorter, man. And then, and then, like, to hear him talk about it, it's I know, like, get a little revelation. Crowbar yeah. comes from Exhorter. It's mm-hmm. like, no way. Yeah, yeah. So you got to check this one out. We'll get into that with Kirk Winstein on the Metal Sucks podcast. All right, welcome to the podcast, Kirk Winston of Crowbar. How you doing, brother? Doing good, man. Thank you. Uh-huh. It's good. Good to see you back. It's your twenty fifth, almost your twenty fifth anniversary of Crowbar. Yeah, dude. we we kind of. I think the first song we ever wrote for Crowbar was, well, not for Crowbar, but written that we used was "Waiting in Silence." That was actually written in eighty eight. So we kind of count Crowbar as a real eighty nine as a real beginning of Crowbar. We kind of like a lot of the songs written that year made it to the Obedience Through Suffering record. So, so who was uh, who was Kirk Winstein in 1988? Still had long hair before it started falling out. Uh, just young dude. Uh, started out, you know, playing the cover song circuit. You know, doing all the metal covers of Priest, Maiden, Motorhead, Saxon, uh, Anthrax, Megadeth. You know, the whole nine yards. Kind of cut my teeth learning how to play, doing all that stuff. Working in our originals, and then I kind of got into the, a lot of the East Coast, you know, like Agnostic Front and, uh, uh, you know, Chromag, stuff like that. It started making its way into my listening as well. And then I kind of just said, uh, ba- basically, the way, Crow- the way Crowbar, that we were originally called the Slugs, the way it got started, we were really into the Melvins, we were really into Carnivore, um, we're really into the Sabbath thing and the trouble and the Vitus, the whole nine yards. But what really happened is I, I used to, you know, I, I came from more of a metal thrash background. And then, um, well, classic rock first. And then, you know, grew into that. And what happened was um, Exhorter from New Orleans were kind of like the the kings of the thrash scene. And we were, you know, me and Jimmy Bauer looked at each other and like, we can't play. I can't play like that. He's like, me either. <laughs> so we said, you know what? And this is the truth. We just said, dude. We had been listening to a lot of Gluey Porch treatments and uh, Ozma, the first two Mel- Melvins, and Carniv- the first Carnivore, and then Retaliation was like our Bible. Um, and we were kind of like, you know what, let's just 
tune real low, man, you know, and, and try to start something different and go opposite of, because you had Solent Green starting out and stuff like that, and it was like everybody was so technical and so fast. So we just, you know, started, just did the opposite. This tune lower than anybody we ever heard and uh, just made our own version of super slow metal, you know. We all thought that Pantera was influenced by Exhorter. turns out you guys were only... Influence the opposite way, you know. True, true, and we, and we were. I mean, I've said that many. You know, I've even told I'm, I'm still good friends with uh, Vinny Labella, the guitar player, and uh, and his I'll call her wife. They've been together damn twelve or thirteen years now. But me and Vinny and 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 his his girl, we're good friends with me and my wife, and with Kyle Thomas, the singer, and his wife. So um, you know, we keep in touch. But I've told Kyle and Vinny both that many times. That was kind of. A big reason, like like Tommy Buckley from Crowbar and Solid Green, told me their thing was we're gonna out exhorter exhorter, we're gonna make more parts in our songs play and more, make it more technical, you know, whatever. And we said, well, we, you know, fuck it, we're just gonna go the exact opposite. So it worked. I remember seeing them at a, in a small bar in Detroit in 1990, 91, something like that, and uh, the drummer had a drum tab book you know you could buy yeah with, with every single note that you're playing I, I was like who in the world even uh, how could you possibly you know well, uh, Chris, so you, the, you're talking about Chris Nell from Exhorter yeah he uh him and uh this guy Melvin Volts have I think they have seven guitars like music stores now called C&M Chris and Melvin obviously music and they have one right right by my house like five minutes from my house and um Chris still plays all the time. He's written a couple of books. He went to LSU, studied music and all. And uh, rumor has it, and I'm sure it's probably true, he got bored playing what he was playing with Exhorter and learned everything backwards just <laughs> as a challenge to himself. So that's how good, technically good he really is. When did you start making music? When did you start playing music? I mean, it sounds like you're pretty young, but did you start like as a kid and Pretty much. I mean, I started piano when I was like seven years old, seven or eight years old. Uh, my first real album on vinyl was Elton John's Greatest Hits, Volume 1, which came out in like 73. Just listening to that like two nights ago. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. And um, I wanted to play piano. Well, the problem was I wanted to play Goodbye Yellow Brick Road and Crocodile Rock. I didn't want to play this little, you know, so I got bored and quit. Then I, and I played sports my whole life. Fo- played football, ran track, lift, you know, power lifted, whatever, my whole life. So that was always there as well. But music, of course, never went away. And then I decided I wanted to play guitar when, when I discovered Kiss. I, well, actually, I wanted to play drums first. And my parents kind of looked at each other and got smart enough to say, hey, we'll buy you a guitar. <laughs> and, and make it an acoustic. So, yeah. you know, we didn't fucking rattling the rafters at the house. But uh, same thing happened. They got me an acoustic guitar. And I, they said, look, we'll buy you this. And if you show promise and you stick to it and we, we think you you know then we'll get you an electric guitar and an amp you know for next christmas or whatever well i went to lessons for about two months and once again i wanted to play stairway to heaven and you know fucking dr love or whatever the hell well you know and the guy was like no i got bored and quit so i just i'm self-taught i don't know any theory or anything i i just taught myself to play well, it sounds like your parents are supporting your love of music i mean like we we were talking the other night to um uh, Matt Pike and yeah. and like he's attracted to heavy music because there was some stuff going on, you know. Was that for you too, or was it? So, was there a, an attraction to heavy music and it for a different reason? Um, I was attracted to it just because, you know. I mean, it started out like I say with Elton John, but of course I liked you know Led Zeppelin and uh, Black Sabbath. You know, I'd hear like Paranoid on the radio. I didn't have an older brother, but I had. Uh, 
my, two of my best friends, Gene and Kenny, they had four older brothers. One of the guys we, th- we thought was, oh, you know, it was like, we were like, um, you know, 13 or 14. This is like, what, 19, uh, you know, 70, you know, 7, 78, something like that, 79. And, you know, one of their brothers was like, you know, 22 or so. Like, so we thought he was like an old and uh, but they would they'd be like, look, they had a small home and they they share rooms. They had they had six boys. Well, one uh, the oldest one moved out. I'll try to make the story shorter. But the other four older brothers, because Gene was my age, Kenny was one year older. Like all summer long and shit, they had summer jobs. They were old enough, and we were too young to work. So they're like, y'all can listen to our record collection all you want. Whatever you do, do not scratch one of the fucking records. It will kick your ass. So we were real, but they had a, a real extensive collection. So we kind of learned. You know, discovered, you know, the Almond Brothers and Skinner and Charlie Daniels Band. And they listened to a lot of Southern rock and country. And, you know, even like Pink Floyd and stuff like that. I mean, um, they were into everything. Edgar Winter Group, you name it, they were into it. So, um, you know, they had, they had everything. So that was kind of our summers were, it was too hot and it wasn't fo- too hot to play outside. It wasn't football season. So if we weren't fishing behind the levee by the Mississippi River, you know, riding bikes around, we were listening to records. So that's kind of and for me it went from hearing rock and roll to to the very beginnings of heavy metal and then you know when I heard Judas Priest I was like oh my god then I heard Iron Maiden I'm like oh my god then I heard Motorhead and I was like this is it and it just you know then I heard Metallica and Anthrax and Megadeth's first records and you know I had I had everything from fucking Sad Iron albums to uh, 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 what was it? Sound barrier, the all black metal group. I, mean, I had every underground kind of metal thing, and it just kept growing. I kept finding bands that were heavier and heavier and heavier, and that all that attracted me. And then, like I say, uh, one of my best friends at the time was a couple of years older than me, and he was in the in the metal, but was also into punk and hardcore. And he kind of got me into that as well, and it was just a blend. That's just, for me, it was more. Of, I just kept striving to listen to find heavier shit, you know. But it's always got to be a good song. That's kind of why. I've never been much of a death metal or black metal fan. I totally appreciate the musicianship and all, but for me, even though I have a rough, gravelly voice, I still try to have melodies. We try to have hooks. We try to still take the the idea of, of a song from a band like Thin Lizzy or, you know, or Led Zeppelin or something, you know, UFO or somebody, Judas Priest, but we try to take that idea but just make it our sound, you know? So um, I do appreciate the musicianship and all, but... To me, heavy's not about, uh, you know, how fast you play or even how, how loud you play. It's about emotion. It's about aggression or just deep emotion. Makes it like, to me, one of the heaviest Sabbath songs is Solitude, the mellow acoustic one, you know. And, you know, stuff like that, it's just the emotional part of it, the vibe that you get. Uh, like one of my favorite St. Vitus songs is When Emotion Dies, the acoustic thing. And with the girl, you know, with the woman singing, it's just, I get goosebumps thinking about it. It's just got this creepy vibe to it. But that's heavy. I mean, anybody can stack up 25 amps and play 100 miles an hour. But, you know, real emotion is what makes things heavy to me. Is there anything, like, modern that, that gets you going like that? I mean, like, like newer, or have you heard anything in the last 10 years or so that really gets you going? Not re- I mean, as far as being an influence, I, I like to say the well, last... The last record that heavily influenced me, was, which is an old record, was probably uh, Slow, Deep, and Hard by Typo Negative, the first, the first one after he, you know, he left Carnivore and formed Typo. 
that's still like I listen to that all the time. I got to get you the radio edit of unsuccessfully coping with the natural beauty of infidelity because it's even funnier than the actual a- version. album. Really? Yeah, because it's just beeped out, you know. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of left to your imagination. Right. What are you gonna do? I know you, someone. So when you go to your high school reunion, do they like expect like? You know, oh yeah, of course he became a guitar god. You know, of course he's a metal god. Or do they? Would they are they surprised when you show up and you are who you are now? They kind of all because I'm, I'm still tight with a lot of guys from high school and even grade school. You know, um, you know, especially with Facebook, it brought me back in touch with a lot of my older friends, and they're all like, you know, I mean, like I've had friends come to shows that, you know, probably like listen to what you know, like Office Lady. I call it office lady metal, like Nickelback or something like that, you know. And uh, you know, they, but they're friends that I grew up with, and they'll come to a show just maybe just once, but they'll come and have a night out and have a few beers, and I go, yeah, you know, somehow it's not that surprising after watching you play air guitar since we were this big to everything. Because I, I remember being in tenth um, grade in I think math class, and I had a. a Issue of Cream magazine, but it was a he- it was like an 80, 1981, I think. I graduated in eighty three, and um, it was an issue of Cream magazine. It was a heavy metal special. It was right when the new wave of British heavy metal was really hitting and all that. And but Van Halen was kind of like the American, you know, metal band or whatever. And uh, the teacher caught me like looking at it or whatever, and took it away. And she goes, um, she looked at it. This is like something from you know some cheesy. Uh, Hot for teacher, or whatever. You know, I want a rock video or some, you know, some kind of thing. Where she literally looked at it and goes, "Mr. Winston, your brain is made of heavy metal." And I said, "Yes, <laughs> ma- yes, Miss So and So." I said, "It is." And like the whole class started laughing. So I mean, since back then everybody knew, you know, I'd be sp- supposed to, supposed to be doing homework and they'd flip it over or something, and I'd have this giant stage set with like a hundred guitar cabinets, four kick drums that have flames, and, you know, I draw all this kind of crazy shit, so I, ever since, I've always dreamt about it, you know? Hey, when you're on stage on like at like something like one of these big European metal festivals, something, is that like in the back of your mind, like, damn, that, imagine me in the third row of English class imagining I am here now, you know what I mean? Do you, do you ever um, have that? Sometimes, yeah, and it's, it's a crazy, you know, it's like... Like I always tell everybody, every 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 dream I ever thought of came true, except for getting rich, which will never happen. So, and I can deal with that, you know. Like my wife says, she's like, "Kirk, I'd live I'd live in a box with you. I say I'd do the same with you. Where I mean, you know, as, as happy and content as can be. Just we shop at the dollar store, you know. Believe people think. I mean, even with Down, for instance, which you know they just don't realize the overhead of of a band, even a band like Down that obviously is a bigger band than Crowbar. But, you know, it's like you're, you're trying to get to that next level. And it's like, there's really, I call them like the, the one percenters. It's really only the, you know, the, the fucking, the Katy Perry's and the Nicki Minaj's and, and Justin Timberlake. It's only those people, you know, Metallica, uh, U2, you know. Um, Iron Maiden. Whatever. You know, yeah, Ma- 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 Maiden like, would yeah. be one of the metal ones yeah. for sure, cause especially globally. Rush, you know, something like that. They're the only ones that are really, really just chilling on a super fat bank. There's guys that have spent their money wisely, but even bands like like Slayer and Anthrax and all, you know, they're still around and they're doing, doing great. For instance, Anthrax is doing better than they have in so many years, which is a great thing. Um, but, you know, they're still not, you know, I don't know personally. I mean, I know... 
Joey Belladonna, I know Scotty, and I know I know the guys. You know, I know Carrie King. You know, I mean, I know I know Tom Araya. I know the guys. Not I don't call them up all the time. But we toured together. I met them in a hut. I don't know, but I mean, they make really good money. But it's still not what people think. People think of you know the heyday of 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 the rock and roll business in the 70s or something where you you know you had the Fleetwood Max and people selling 25 million copies and all where it was nothing to blow a thousand dollars a day on cocaine and uh you know have four like uh what Joe Walsh's song life's been good to me so far you know it's like uh you know my Maserati does 185 all this kind of shit what I, I got a house something about he's never you know never even been they tell me it's nice you know forget the price you know whatever I mean it's like they had so much money during the heyday of the music industry where, you know, um, you know, it was that's that's what people think that are my our age, whatever I don't know how old you guys are, but they kinda in the back of their mind they think that. And then when they see I have a nineteen ninety eight Toyota Camry, they're like you know, full of crowbar and down stickers and saint stuff, but you know, I mean it's just they they think like, wow, you know, that's So is it a financial hit to not <laughs> be playing with down? Um, it is, but um, did that it, even factor in? No, because I would have I would have quit playing music a long time ago. If it was about money. I mean, the thing would, you know, my our decision basically was they could see I was, you know, my life's changed a lot. Um, being married, being, I love. I've always I've got what I always wanted, which was to play music, but to also be a family guy, Peter Griffin style, and <laughs> uh, to be a family guy. I've, you know, I've always wanted that. I mean, I have a 10-year-old daughter, and um, when I met my wife, Robin, you know, we've known each other and dated back, I think, since she, she'll be 47 ne- this month. Today's the first. She'll be 47 this month, and we, I met her when she was 19, you know, and I'm 48 now. So, we, you know, we know each other from back then. And kind of like when we got together, for real, you know, after everything we've gone through in life, it didn't take but a week, and we were like, we knew this was it, you know, and I'm like, you know, for me, the family thing, like, there's nothing better than having my daughter, you know, I go pick her up and, and come in, and then we have Robin's grandbaby come by, and, you know, we got the kid, I call it a kid rager weekend, you know, and we pop popcorn, order pizza, watch movies with the kids, I love that, I love to come out, get on stage, sweat my ass off, guzzle beer, play heavy, you know, play shit, but I also like to be a regular guy, and our lives with Dallas, it was just growing apart, you know, so it is a financial hit. <clears throat> but <clears throat> not as big a one as you would think just because, you know, it, it's more of me me being will, being willing to come full circle in life. And that's what I did where I'm sharing a 15-passenger van with White Light Cemetery, and I'm my own tech. And I help my wife do merchandise. But you know what? We don't have to pay anybody anything. We don't have a 10-man payroll or whatever of, you know, People getting these per diems and staying in nice hotels and things on off days or whatever, you know. So, I mean, although, you know, it is a financial to a, to a degree, if, with me concentrating 100% on crowbar, if we can just get one more level up and do it the way we're doing it, because we're comfortable like this. We don't, we don't mind doing it this way. It's really no different, you know, to me. I'm just as content, you know, taking a, knee, a nap in the van and staying at Days Inn or Motel 6, you know, um, and... You know, and jamming in, in the smaller clubs or whatever, that doesn't make a difference because with, with no overhead, I'm still making decent money doing what I love to do. And now, you know, it's become to us, just like uh, Philip and, and Kate, you know, Kate Richardson, um, 
just like Phil is with Kate, that, you know, house core records and down and Phil, you know, Philip H and the illegals and all that has become their family business, so to speak. And that's what I'm trying to do with Crowbar, with, with Robin and I and, and Crowbar, you know. So it's, it's a cool, it's cool. Yeah. So far, so good. I mean, does it, does it feel good? Like, cause this oh, it is feels really great. a pretty new venture, right? I mean, yeah, even, even, uh, um, shoot, uh, what the hell is Ryan, the guitar player? Uh, for uh, White Light Cemetery, watched the whole our whole show last night out front, you know, and he's like, "Dude, I've seen y'all like because they're from Lafayette, Louisiana, and uh, like two hours in New Orleans." He goes, "I've seen y'all like twenty five times." He goes, "But I watched y'all in Houston Friday, and I watched this. Told me the show after, and he goes, "There's just something. There's just an extra spark about it." Where this, he's like, "This shit could get dangerous, you know, because now that it's my only focus." And it really is. My only focus outside of family and all, which I just completely separate, is just 100% dedication to Crowbar and doing any and everything I can from the ground up to build it, build it into what I think it deserves to be and what I think it's capable of being. Well, and it's pretty impressive the way it seems like the relationship with the guys from down and all that seemed to be pretty intact. It was pretty amicable. Oh, it's cool. Yeah, Even like, Bobby uh, from Honky that took my yeah. spot. Um you know, I let him use my my rig for uh, for the house core thing, and he ended up, you know, buying my rack and all from me. I'm like, I don't need it. He goes, man, you know, you want to charge him a little extra, but other than that, right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, I talked to Bob all, all the time. You know, he called me from the airport when Honky was leaving. He's like, you know, everything's cool. I'm, like, I'm gonna grab those heads from you. <clears throat> I'm like, cool, man. I get the cabinets when you get back, and you know, it's like, there's no to me, it's almost a relief in the sense that I they could see me. I don't want to say losing interest because I did enjoy every second on stage. I truly did. And I do love the guys. But they could see that I was changing. I was making myself distant. I was choosing to, you know, to not go out and, and whatnot. Now, don't get me wrong. I, you know, I might go to my hotel and drink myself into a stupor and that, on a day off, and that's probably what it that because I didn't want to be there. Not that I didn't want to be on stage playing. I didn't want to be in a fucking hotel in the middle of Croatia or some pl- place like that. And it's those Nothing days against off, Croatia. Right? Yeah, and that was my thing. I play, like, I got nine shows in a row. We go home for four, then we got two shows, and we go in the studio the day after we, we're done, you know? So, and then I'm booked up. We fly out to do Chicago New Year's Eve bash up at Cobra Lounge in Chicago for, uh, for New Year's Eve, come back straight in the studio. It's like when I got 10 shows in a row coming up in the UK. That's just the way I like to do it. If I'm doing 20 shows, I don't mind one off in between to, to li- literally rest. But with the way down tours, there's a lot of flights, which I'm, which is a, it's not a fear of flying. It's a pain in the ass at the airport. Sitting around an airport for hours trying to check in all this luggage and all is not fun. Flying on days you play is not fun. And with the last tour that I did with down in Europe was... 23 flights in 22 days with 11 days off. And, you know, to a lot of people would be, to some people, to those guys and to, and to the crew and all, and God bless them for it, they think that they enjoy that because it's literally a paid vacation. But that's just, to me, I'm, my mind, I'm just, we're all, you know, geared differently up there. And my mind and my heart and everything is not <clears throat> into doing it that way. I preferred when... You know, we in the earlier days, you know, when we play more, you know, more shows, and it, and it wasn't so, you know, people think, wow, it must be, that, that's great, you just get to fly all around the world and all, but flying's a pain in the ass, it sucks, it's uncomfortable, airport security are assholes, you know, I mean, and it's just, you know, I I just like to do, I'm kind of setting my ways the older I get, and, you know, it was kind of a mutual thing where it was kind of like, well, we don't really think you're into it anymore, and we don't know if we still want to jam with you, and I'm like, well, you know what? 
like me and Phil had a nice talk, and you know, he's just like, I want you to be happy. And I thought about it. He's like, you know, give me a shot. I thought about it, and I just said, you know what? The first thing that popped in my head was, it's not like I'm going to be trying to start something that's not there. I got 25 years of crowbar under my belt, and every time crowbar got to a point of really getting momentum, I had to pull the plug on it, let it die or fade all the way down again, and co- concentrate on on down or you know something else, whatever. And now that that motherfucker's on charge, and I it just doesn't stop. Well, it seems like you know from from uh, when you guys were on pavement, you know, in the 90s, and and for a while there, you're putting out a record every year, every two years, and then for the last. Ten years, it's like three albums. You yeah, know? it's true. It's Trobar true. fans are like, is he having trouble writing new songs? Or and don't realize that you're a busy man. <coughs> no, exactly. Because you're also doing Kingdom of Sorrow in yeah. the middle of that too. And I'm still going to do Kingdom. Um, but like you know, Jamie kind of co co manages Crowbar, um, and he's like, look, you know, we'll pull play it smart with Kingdom. We're going to do it. But let me get Hate Breeds 15th anniversary is coming up. I think it's 15th, and it's Crowbar's 25th, and it's like, let's get. A, Kill a new record out. Let's tour. You tour Crub off for the better half, a year and a half or something. And I'll do the same with Hatebreed. And then we'll do a kingdom and just do select gigs, just money gigs, fun stuff, short runs, nothing to rag ourselves out. You know, that's my thing to it. And is for me with Crowbar, I can play 15 shows in 15 days and be back home. If for me to play 15 shows with Down takes a month. I mean, you know, and, and it's not any fa- the fault of anyone, and, and you know, you have to you have to give nothing but respect. Phil wants, you know, and hey, he's he's got the right to, you know, demand what the fuck he wants. He will he does not want to play more than three days in a row because of his voice, because he wants to give the best performance he can possibly give and rest his voice on the off day. Tom Mariah was telling us recently the same thing. Slayer won't do more than three. Was yeah. it three, two, or it might even been two shows in a two. row. And so your voice is okay. How do you do it? I mean, are I you, don't know. Are you doing scales before you go on? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't do anything. I don't smoke cigarettes or weed. That's I never have. That's the only thing. Wow. I mean, I'll take a hit every once a, a year. Revelation. Get the munchies. But, Nobody uh, would have thought that. Yeah. I no, I never did. So I'm wow. hoping. I'm, I'm hoping that has something to do because. You know, for the most part, my voice has not left me. It's only gotten stronger and better, and yeah. I thank God for that. You know, it's cool. Uh, so with all these bands in Louisiana, it seems like you all are tentacled together, you know. Has it always been that way, or has that gr- sort of grown and developed over time? Has everybody's had their own sort of successes? <coughs> A little bit of both, because we've always been friends in the beginning, and I don't think there was ever much competition. Like I said, for us, and you know, instead of trying to compete with Exhorter, we just said, fuck, you know what, y'all do your thing, we're going to... If y'all are if y'all are white, we're black, or vice versa. You know, we're going the whole different direction with this thing, and uh, it's just been a situation where a lot, unlike the heyday of the '80s hair bands and all that shit, where everybody was at war with one another, or you know, some of the black metal bands, you know, want to kill one another and all this kind of shit. They're putting curses on each other and seances or whatever the fuck. I don't know, but you know, whatever it is, for us, it's always like, hey man, we're all in this together. We're all. You know, and, and the weird thing is, people are always like this New Orleans sound, you know, this like Nola sound. I really don't hear, I hear it, but I don't know how to explain it. Because if you take Crowbar and I got and Down, and you take Solar Green, and you take even Acid Bath, which I haven't been around, you know, forever, or even Godor for that matter, or whatever, even though they're technically a black metal band, you know, if you take these bands, there is, for some crazy reason, 
How can there really be anything in common with Soiling Green and Down? But there is. Or, you know, Soiling Green and Crowbar, for that matter. But there is. And um, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. We all listen to a lot of the same shit. Like, we all love Trouble. We all love St. Vitus. We all love Black Sabbath. We all love Old Metal, you know, Priest and, you know, and the Maidens and Motorheads and whatnot. Um, so I don't know. Maybe it's we're all we all started with the same influences and branched out, but there is something that keeps us all under the same umbrella, so to speak. But at the same time, everyone's got their own sound. You know, is it more than just music? I mean, is it that New Orleans attitude kind of thing that that comes into it? Because I, I mean, New Orleans is its own kind of its own place. I mean, Louisiana, for that matter, is. I think if anything. It has a lot to do with our culture, like you say. Like New Orleans, to me, is one of the few, if not the only city in America that we're the last ones to let go of the mom and pop, family-owned mentality. Where you know a place like Kansas City or someplace, no, you know, no disrespect, but it's all national chains and corporate, you know, corporate stuff and whatever. You still find a lot of. Mom and pop, family owned, family run kind of stuff in New Orleans, and we—that's the way we we're fighting to keep it that way. We love that. We love the neighborhood bars. We love, you know, we don't want, we don't need Buffalo Wild Wings. You know, we have it, but we don't need that. We'd rather go to a joint like this or something that's a, you know, family owned one-off place that's got better wings anyway and cheaper beer. You know. You think there's a, a big change after uh, after Katrina and all that? Did that sort of uh, change the way people started to look at that? Um, I mean, for us, for us at the time, you know, uh, we had this is not this is not a lie. Katrina came on a Monday, and I think <clears throat> like Friday night, I talked to Phil and Pepper and Jim, and we were all going to meet for lunch at Phil's dad's restaurant. Not lunch, but dinner, have a few beers or whatever. And talk about getting down kind of back together and what we're going to do about it. Well, then Katrina came. Phil got the back surgery. Everybody cleaned up their act. And we got, you know, so I think I think um, over the under, the down three record, you know, um, at least lyrically was kind of, in my opinion, was kind of Phil's therapy and expression as to what happened with Katrina, you know. Um, and it affected, affected all of us in, in some kind of way. So if anything, we've come, you know, everything happens for a reason. I have no reason why that would happen. But I will say that, you know, it did make our community more close-knit. And even though a lot of things were destroyed and will never be the same, it did kind of give the city a facelift, so to speak, that it needed with a lot of stuff where we were kind of behind with the rest of the country. But we just, we love love New Orleans the way it is. We don't want to, you know, I mean, even the newer generation of kids that are brought up properly like my daughter's 10 she loves new orleans history you know um she loved me me and my ex-wife took her like two years ago for a riverboat cruise on a natchez riverboat and had lunch and all that you know and there was jazz bands and she was loved it so you know it, it's we need that generation to keep that same <clears throat> south louisiana and new orleans mentality in order to keep what we have sacred and Separate. Yeah, but you need that generation to be crowbar fans. So you got to work on your daughter a little bit here. Yeah, she's only ten and she's a girl. We don't have many female fans. Yeah, I got a I got a ten year old girl too, and it's the same thing. So, it, you just let them come around. They'll come around sooner or later. You know. I mean, she does get a kick out of it. She calls me Papa. That Papa's in a plays in a van, and you know, it's 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 great. It's, it's got to be cool for her. I mean, she's got to be like. I mean, there are no other dads who are rock stars. You know. 
Oh, there's plenty. <laughs> there's plenty. Yeah, of that's the thing that's so funny. It's like you find, I find. I'm. This is when I knew I was getting old. In 2006, when we did the um, our first Euro- European tour ever, our first shows were down after Katrina and after Phillips surgery, and we went Newcastle, England, and me, Rex Brown, and Chronos from Venom was sitting in one of the dressing rooms having beer and showing pictures of each other, <laughs> pictures of our kids to one another. And I'm like, here I am from Rex. You know, he's one of my best friends, and, you know, I'm playing, but, but he's, this is Rex from Pantera here, yeah. and Kronos from Venom, and here I am, we're in a dressing room in Newcastle, England, showing, yeah, and here's my little one, she goes to such and such school, and, you know, I was like, I'm, you know what, you're growing up, man. How do you still, like, when you sit down at the guitar, like, come up with something heavy? I mean, when, where's the Crowbar Kids album, you know? I mean, was there ever a moment where you went, I'm into, uh, uh, this changes the way I'm thinking about music. Has it at all? No, I get heavier and meaner. That's what it sounds like, and it's well, like well, it, it, it's it's my uh, it's 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 therapeutic. This is my psychiatrist. A ten year old will make you angry, <laughs> <laughs> but it is. It's like you know, there's a there's a part of my personality that I express through crowbar, and it's all real, and it's emotional, and sometimes it's aggressive and painful and depressed and full of anxiety, full of aggression, whatever. You know, there's a part of me that. I'm able to sit here with y'all, and this is the normal me. But if it was, you know, there's a part of me that is what you hear—the sound of Crowbar's music, the riffs, the vocals, and the lyrics. That's a part of of me that I express, you know, through music. But so, not a release. It's not like you let go of something because it's still there when you're done, right? Yeah, but it's a good feeling, you know. Well, where does that come from? I mean, what do you, what is there, what is it you're angry about? could be anything you know saints lost right in anything <laughs> actually we, we didn't yet but we i don't want to jinx this tomorrow night's gonna be tough against seattle but <laughs> no it's just like you know life just i mean i mean all of us i don't care who you are we all you know we all have our ups and downs you know and i mean trying to be being a father being a stepfather grandfather being a you know in in the music industry as my only real source of income um you know is a lot of stress sometimes in life. Life is stressful. That's why we all love listening to music. It's a release. We love going to see a live show. It's a release. That's why the office lady Nickelback metal fake metal people, um, you know, go out on Friday night after work and, and, and hit the hit the sauce. You know, and the same thing with the guys to working your ass off. You know, fucking framing a house all day or something. You stop in a local bar and get a couple of beers after work. It's a release. It's a pay, it's a payoff for being responsible and doing what you're supposed to do, you know, it's a, you're able to let loose and just kind of let, let, you know, let the stress out of you. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Awesome. Well, Thank dude, you. It's going to be man. a good 2014, 25 years of crowbar, man. Thank you for uh, taking yeah. your time out today, man. Awesome. We appreciate we, it, I appreciate it, man. So does the rest of the crowbar guys. Uh-huh. Thank you. Thank you, fellas. Thank you.
the undeniable sound of Kirk Winstein and Crowbar from the from that last uh, record. What the hell was the last? Seven of the Wicked Hand was the name of the last record. Cemetery Angels is the name of that song. They were so good, so good live. It's going to be interesting to see if his timing is right for. It'll be interesting to see if that pans out in 2014, and I hope it does because I mean, he's so happy right now. It was crazy watching yeah. him and his wife together. Because they're just like the happiest thing in the world. Yeah. And, and that could produce sort of, some pretty bad music. We don't know. <laughs> it's true. That's <laughs> uh, true. It, but it also, you know, drive you to drinking either way. Uh-huh. I've been married a long time, I know. <laughs> but uh, we, we decided that we needed to really talk about the uh, best of uh, 2013 in this one. Since this is our final episode of uh, of the year. Uh, we, I know we got a couple more weeks left in the in the year and the holidays and all that stuff, but we aren't going to be back until the sixth of January. I think uh-huh. is when our our next show Dave will Mustaine. be after this. Dave Mustaine, oh, who didn't Mustaine us? I couldn't. I know it. he finally didn't Mustaine us, but you know, <laughs> but his publicists tried to. Uh, there at the end. Yeah. Well, oh yeah. So, you get yeah. to hear the publicists yell at us. That's good. Uh, maybe. <laughs> hey man, y'all stay on topic. Oh, Don't edit that out. Damn. Don't all edit right, that right, out. All right, all right, all right. I'll leave that in there. But <laughs> but um, yeah, we wanted to talk about the best of 2013 because there are so many lists that were out there. And ours was one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Yay! No, but uh, we couldn't really, like, between our two lists, like last year we were talking about this, 2012, we had a pretty different set of stuff we liked. You know, it was was pretty varied between the two of us. But this year our list is pretty, pretty similar. Yeah. The way that what we had chosen is more, I don't know, it's less my taste more what I think is actually the best of 2013. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some stuff that's definitely my, like my, my, when I put the Black Dahlia Murder on there, I don't right. expect everybody to go, yeah. Black well, Dahlia Murder has one of the best albums of the year. That's me saying that's one of the best albums. And then of the, the year. opposite being when you put Shining on, it's like not really your thing, but it's such a great album. You gotta exactly, get it exactly. Yep. I can't, I can't deny that. Or Carnival's another one that I think is, I personally think that that's such a great album, but I don't, think that everybody thinks that that's exactly. such a great album yeah you know so i but i but it has to be included because i think that record is so so important and so good so good, good way to put it yeah and that's that's what i think is uh is interesting about our list some of the other ones that we were talking about uh off mic were you know just the other people from metal sucks and and other you know musicians and stuff that were out there and they they're looking at it from their perspective, and I think and there's nothing wrong. Or well, of there's, course, everybody is. Yeah, yeah, everybody's got their own their own opinion. Whatever is valid, but I mean, some of it was like, wow, I don't even know what this is. I've never even heard of some yeah, of these bands. That's the thing is you got like the, the list of obscure stuff that I you know that got hand delivered by so and so you know, and then you've got the musician list, which are I don't know what those musicians are thinking. What in the world is up with all those musician lists? They got some of the worst taste. Well, I think you, you also got to think that they're not exposed to as much as we as we are. Oh my goodness! As music not. journalists or music uh, you know bloggers or radio people or podcasters, you're exposed to so much stuff. You get to see everything because you're looking at it all from the outside. Mm-hmm. You're seeing the sea and and all and everything swimming in it. Musicians are in the sea. So they see what's right around them. Right. This is the band that opened up for us. And yeah, exactly. Or they get something handed to them by another band or they, you know, so you only have so many opportunities to listen to so so much stuff. And it's weird because I've talked to musicians about this and and it's a terrible thing to ask them is what, what your influences are, what you're listening to now. Those are, you know, really shitty questions to ask bands a lot of time, but especially because most of the time they don't have an answer for it because 
they don't want to listen to anything except for you know skinnered yeah you know they don't care about what's new right now they're on tour right you know so that's not what they're focused on other bands there are other musicians that that's all they want i dug they the, want to consume new music you know, you know it's funny it's like the rob flynn's list was probably the worst list i've seen <laughs> that was pretty it was terrible yeah. but what i thought was really cool is how he's like there was some fan of his that got on his website and he's like hey man i'm gonna be your you know crack dealer for music and and i'm gonna hook you up with only the good stuff and i thought that was really cool how cool would it be right to, to like if i were a musician i'd like want to hire out somebody to like curate the stuff that I need the, to listen nothing to. else. This is going to make you look cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. This, this is all you need to do in interviews. Say that you love deaf heaven. Yeah. Boom. Everybody <laughs> will think you're awesome. You don't even have to listen to it. Just say you what like a it. Kick ass little job. You know, it's like you got people who get hired to like run people's Twitters and then you get a job just like I'm the one who sends music to the bands, you know, that'd be kind of a cool that, gig. That actually would be kind of cool. I think you've just created a new, a new career. <laughs> now that's going to be another intern that gets that job. Yeah. Oh, crap, man. But I really do think that the, that 2013 was a really, really good year for music. I mean, there's some really good stuff. We picked 15 out of those each and a couple of variances in between our two lists that we had posted on there were some that didn't make my list that i was like oh i know no i felt this i felt the same way and i mean there was some stuff that i i felt that i because i honestly like the deaf heaven thing like i've been a a pretty pretty big you know hater on deaf heaven just Mm -hmm. because i just I'm, <laughs> but i understand and i think if if i did have a top 20 that album probably would have been in my top 20 right it didn't make it into my top 15 because i was being a homer on a few things yeah. but <laughs> but i i really looked at the list because the other thing that uh that they did was aggregate everybody's list let me see let me click on this over here everybody's list on metal sucks from the staff and pull out the top 10 which is pretty good yeah we only had like i and i looked at our two lists that went together and the top 10 that they came out with and there's only three that matched up honestly so carcass revocation was on mine uh alter of plagues was on yours and i think that was the only other one that matched up i don't get the voivod thing man i really don't and i love voivod but i do not get target earth I get, but I get the the other everything else that's on here. I totally get like the Gorguts thing. I get it. You get it. I don't get I, that either. But okay. I'm, but I understand why. Like, it's I'm not a big fan of the new record, but it's in, it's an important album, and I think it's a great album. It's just not my favorite album of 2013. So I mean, I get why that's on that list. The Ocean, same sort of thing. Deaf Heaven, same sort of thing. Intronaut. If I would have had a top 20, it would have been in it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that, that was pretty close to my top. Queens of the Stone Age. Eh. I, I wouldn't have even thought of concluding it. I Me thought it either, was more of a pop. It was a, well, I don't think a, I think it's a rock record, but, but you know what I mean. Because uh, somebody else, I was reading somebody else's list. I think it was one of the the injection guys put Nine Inch Nails in theirs as well. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, you know, I don't know. Man. I mean, if we're talking albums, we're talking metal albums of the year. We're, really, what are we talking? You know? yeah, I mean, how many times you know when you stick Nine Inch Nails in and you don't put in Revocation? It's like, <laughs> don't you think Revocation could use the dough? Well, no, I think I think you actually had Revocation in there too. But but I mean, but, but you know I, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but if it's also like we're saying, if it's a my top ten or my top fifteen, what I listen to the most of this year, you know, Queens of the Stone Age could be in there just as good as anything else can you know yeah. this is what i listen to yeah like straight up it's one of my favorite records of the year i don't know but the best record of the year was of course carcass <sighs> yes and so and, good and i still think it's number four greatest metal album of all times wait, wait how did you get that because you got master of puppets rain and blood 
uh, 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 Pantera's uh, 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 far is it far beyond driven? Far beyond driven. And then you got uh, uh, Surgical Steel. Really? Yes. Really? Yes. I don't know. Yeah. Hard work. <laughs> well, that's number six. <laughs> Carcass has two in the top ten. They sure do. Wow. Them and Slayer. Damn. And Slayers go south of heaven. Well, yeah, yeah, okay. So, but, but that's Slayer though. Yeah, I know, but it's carcass. Okay, yeah, I guess it is kind of carcass. Now. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, how do you do? I mean, you, you didn't you play a song? You played a song off of Hard Work, I think, uh, on your Friday night yeah, show, yeah, yeah. like in uh-huh. your third hour. And yeah. I was, you know, when it came on, I'm like, why isn't he playing Surgical Steel? But then as the song went on, I'm like, this is one of the greatest metal songs it's of like, all time. Yeah, Come exactly. on, it's like, yeah, because No Love Lost is one of the best metal songs ever made. Hell yeah, I know that's why I played it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's yeah, sort yeah. of like, you know, I'd love to put it further down on the list because. Surgical Steel is so good, and maybe they shouldn't be crowding that top ten so much. Yeah, but they're both amazing, amazing, unbelievable records. And I'm very happy to see that the Metal Sucks listeners or our readers agree. The Mm -hmm. readers poll came out with them on top. Uh, Everybody at Metal Sucks like that was the when it was aggregated. That was the best album. It just hands down Mm -hmm. pretty much won it all, and that. Brilliant. Yeah, I mean that's that's all that I needed. You know, I, you know I was what I'm so saying? glad like, to see that. That's such a great record. Because every time I would look at somebody's list and it did, and if it wasn't number one, I'd be like, "What in the world?" You know, it like it, it made me almost angrier when somebody had it number two or number three <laughs> than when they didn't like, have it at, it at all. all. Yeah, <laughs> it's like why is it not? No, no, no. You're not listening to the same album. You didn't hear the same thing. Yeah, I did. totally. What the hell? I've got the documents to prove that this is the best record of the year. <laughs> exactly. God damn it! Why don't you understand this? Uh, yeah, it, it really is. Well, it's now we do have the documents to prove that it uh, yeah so we have the excel spreadsheet that says this is the best metal record of the year uh good times but i think there was um uh do we want to play any of these do we want to play uh play something off the carcass album oh i mean of course i I don't know i don't want to stop talking so (laughs) you know i guess take the Uh, you know what we do we just end the show with a carcass song how about that all right that's all we'll do you do that six zero zero Six. The numbers. Two. Four. Six. Oh, one. Oh, one. Yeah, I forget. Sorry, that's a Les Mis reference. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Ah, see, boom. I'm I, I was bringing glad, my musical background. I was really glad that we both agreed on Protest the Hero, but I was surprised that that didn't make a top 10 list for listeners or for no, staff. No, no, no. I would never I would never think that Protest the Hero is going to win uh, a, a cross-category thing, ever. Because they're so, they're very, very, very um, divisive. You either love them or you hate them. And I think it's a brilliant record. I've loved that band for so many years, for so many albums. So it's, that's kind of a Homer thing, you know? It's, I love the band. I don't think so. I think, I mean, even if you don't like Protest the Hero, you got to hear that and go, okay, I got to give it some respect because it's truly. Yeah, but I didn't give any respect or love to Def Heaven either. So, (laughs) (laughs) and that's because I just didn't like it. So, or I, I don't agree with what you're doing right now, and it's it's a love hate thing. And know? I was also and, very surprised that nobody else likes that Cavellar Tech album like I do. I, and I like the Cavellar Tech album. Oh. I just don't like it. Like you, you want to have sex with it? Yeah, so I do. I I don't understand how. Yeah, I, I agree with it being a damn good album, but oh. that whole perfect album thing. I, is, I don't know. That's oh. that's. Yeah, it's got a vagina, and you're fingering it right <laughs> yeah. now. It's, it's a, it, it, no, that's just Bas- one of Basley's flowers on the front of it. No. Yeah, it's it's a good album. 
and I really, really dig it. But yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know why I didn't have a little, a little more love than what yeah. we saw out there. But I think it was also one that came out early in the year, and a lot of people sort of forgot about it. Yeah, I think that might be. You know, that's always problem with the, the things. You know, like, I'm so glad we do a middle of the year list because I was able to refer to that and right. make sure I didn't forget anything. Well, I always, I, I my thing is, is uh, since I've got the the terrestrial radio thing, I always put together ad lists and songs that i add and all that stuff so i had a year-long list of everything that i've added to the show which was like 20 pages long right i bet and i went through that whole thing and that's what i found because i was like what the hell came back out in january that's why i pulled the cult of luna out because i remember how much i loved that record at the beginning of the year i listened to for like three months straight and burned myself out on it and then i went back and grabbed it again and i was like oh this is so good because vertical two the EP that came out with it was really bleh. Oh. like it was. It just wasn't very good. How does that work? Well, I think what it was. I think what they that, let the bassist pick those songs. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> it was Vertical One and Vertical Two. Vertical Two was the little EP companion that went along with Vertical One. It came out like in September or something like that. And Vertical Two, what it sounded like to me was all the outtakes and stuff that didn't make it on the album. Yeah. So there, there was a reason that didn't didn't make it on the album. Right. Right. You know, so <laughs> it wasn't. It over here. Yeah, it wasn't like they. You know, sometimes you think that they go in the studio and like every idea for that time period has got to be great. Yeah, and sometimes they're not. Exactly. I mean, some bands go in and they write thirty songs, and ten of them are great songs. Right. Twenty of them suck. Uh, that's Megadeth. Yeah. You know, like that's why Super Collider's not on the list, man. Yeah. There's ten songs that was off of uh, Euthanasia didn't that ma- didn't make it on Euthanasia, and they decided to put them out on this album. Super Collider did not make a single list of anybody's no way. musician. No otherwise. way, dude. That's crazy. But it is kind of crazy. It's very indicative of just how incredibly bad that album is. You would think that somebody would go, you know what? You guys aren't hearing it, but I hear it. You know, that sort There's of thing. There's no value in that There's album. no value. None. No, there's not a there's not a lick did, of value. Did they even play any songs off that album? I think on, they on might have, but I was outside drinking a drinking a drink. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, was one of the, I don't know what's going on right now. So th- is this no? This isn't Holy Wars. I'm going to go to the bathroom. Right. All right. Cool. Right. I want to take a dump. It sounds better in here. And that's a small venue. I assume they sold it out, right? No, they didn't. No. That's a tiny venue. No, they did the not. REO Speedwagon sold that place out. They did not sell it out. It was crazy. It was wow. I was kind of um, kind of disappointing in that. Yeah, okay. I'm sorry, getting off topic. Yeah, but, I know. Anyway. But but you know he he's really got to put out another album fast, and it's got to be awesome. Or I, the you, legacy is in danger. Yeah, the, we're see, we're talking about worse things. I want to talk about best things. Yeah, I know. All right, but I'm just saying. Album. I was surprised it didn't get on the list. What else is on the list here that we had? Oh, see, and I uh, I never talk about nails, or I never talk about uh, my uh, my description of all pigs. Uh, all pigs must die. Mm-hmm. Just listen to it, or or, yeah. or just don't. Yeah, that's one you got to. You just need to go and experience. Like, yeah, I love that band so much. I I mean, I've watched them in some of the shittiest clubs do some of the best performances I've ever seen, and I love that band. <laughs> and I should have put them higher on my list. Like, I feel bad that I put them so low Any other list. year. Any other but year. But it was such a such an amazing year for for, uh, for music, man. And same thing with Nails, too. So there's a sexy girl in my office who likes Nails as well. So I'm like, hey, you hear that new thing? They got this cool EP, too, man. Nails is really cool. Man. What I like about Nails is the same reason that I liked, like, very early Carcass when it came out, was mm-hmm. because... Underneath it all, you could hear some really amazing things going on that they just buried under, like all of the 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 the, the 
you know, with gr- the grind of the grind core. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. With carcass and with nails, there's a whole lot of um, just sort of noise that happens. But underneath all that noise, you can hear some really incredible ideas. Yeah. That you kind of got to dig for. That I really, really dig. Well, it was like, uh, did you uh, did you see that poster? They put <laughs> you have it was every single Dillinger Escape Plan, plan song played at the same time. Oh, I didn't hear it. And all it is is like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, but you know that there that if it's every single Dillinger song, that there's some brilliance in yeah, there. Yeah, right? totally. The same thing with nails. Yeah, yeah. It's you have to sort of wade through its density to get to the core and the meat of it, but it is so just sort of hardcore punk mm-hmm. that is driven to like 90 on your dial that, I mean, it's, it's something about it that is, it's just common, but makes it extraordinary. And that's what I love about it. It's, some, it's so really easy to, it's it. Yeah. At some point, somebody's going to hand them a bun- bunch of money. They're going to get in the studio with a producer and I hope not. No, I hope I they really do hope because not. you know I what'll hope they happen. Keep doing what they doing, and, and then and then what'll happen is half the fans will be like, "Ah, oh, you guys sold out." Blah blah blah. The rest of us will be like, "It's heartwork again." Yeah, but see, I, I don't know. I just want them to keep doing what they're doing. Just keep doing what you're doing, and and, and yeah, I'll be fine with that. I will. I'd be, uh, I'd be totally fine death, too. But. Uh, death and a man in all life are are two of my favorite records of all time. Like yeah. I love those albums so much. Own them both on vinyl bought the t-shirt <laughs> like i'll buy your shoes you know i'll tennis shoes uh shot glasses koozie sure yeah, no problem yeah fuck it nails <laughs> um, i mean totally in with them and then dillinger i had a few people that uh some of the comments that we had on uh on our list were you know we were one of the first ones to put dillinger escape plans album up there as well which is incredible it wasn't on more lists no I, and i think it wound up on being on a lot of lists later on Oh, okay uh but but yeah that album Oh, that, that, just that title track is like, you know, I think I said it before when it first came out. It's like, I I think that Faith No More reunited and the reason that they don't put out any more music and, and they don't feel inspired to make new music is because they hear Dillinger Escape Plan and they're like, you know what? Those guys are doing something that we're just not, you know, they're doing what we would be doing yeah. if we had balls. Yeah, actually, that's a, that's a pretty good uh, analogy. And, and I'm not saying that Dillinger sound like Faith No More. Obviously, you know, one of us well, is killer is not the real thing. You know no, what I mean? No, no, but they work together. I mean, yeah. remember back in the day, I mean, Mike Patton had sang on yeah. their EP. So, I mean, it's not like they're a stranger to what uh, what they're doing stylistically. But it's an evolution, and, and, and they're doing exactly. something really, really, uh, you know, they're taking... Um, you know, I don't know if it's like Jizzlobber or something like that, and just like just you know running with it yeah, into yeah, yeah. like what, crank, crank, just cranking it up yeah. to the next level. Yeah, it makes it really, really great. And you know, obviously, it'd be great to see them have their 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 one. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, um, uh, the uh, what's that? Their big epic. You know, oh, yeah. for Dillinger, have their epic so that way they can ride it in the sunset and never have to work another day if they don't want to. But all the rest of their music can be exactly what they want to do, and they don't have to struggle for it. True. That would be awesome. You but know, see, I don't know. I, I'm I, I would kind of want that, but at the same time, I almost don't. I mean, Pharaoh Mona Lisa almost got got to that point. Um, but wouldn't it be great to have a bunch of like Fairweather fans show up to a Dillinger escape plan standing so, in the front row expecting a normal concert getting the cell phones kicked out of their hands yeah. by the guitar player <laughs> boom done and done and we bring it full circle man I know this is sort of a convoluted talk about the best of 2013 but we gotta wrap up this show do we we haven't even talked about Earth Rocker yet Oh, Jesus, we haven't even... What? Oh, that, son that, of a bitch. Man, like I said, any other year, that would have been the number one album of the year. Dude, Clu- yeah, the Clutches album. Uh, damn it, we, we didn't... We really didn't, did we? 
No. Oh, we haven't talked about Altar of Plagues. We haven't talked about uh, Arsis. Oh, my God. But we've already been talking for 20 minutes on this. We got, we got to go. We got to be done. This is, oh. It's the end of the year. We gotta, it's the we end gotta, of the year. Gotta, Why do we got to stop? We got to close it out. We gotta, oh. Uh, see, okay, so uh, my New Year's resolution is to figure out how to keep our show on time. <laughs> that's uh, that's what I'm going to resolve to do, is to keep this damn show under an hour, all right? Uh, okay, maybe not. At least this time, anyway. <laughs> well, thanks uh, thanks for tuning in this uh, this year and checking out the Metal Sucks podcast. We do appreciate it. 31 episodes uh, in 2013. Or so, give or take. And fifty or so in the next year. That uh-huh. should be that should be a hell of a lot of fun. We'll have to see what kind of guests we get this time. Oh, we got uh, in the, in, so, so much. yeah, we've got a few lined up already for January. So mm-hmm. uh, we get the seventy thousand tons of metal that we yeah. got lined up. Oh, we get some uh, we get some stuff that's going to be going down. It's going to be sort of <laughs> sort of insane. Hey, everybody, be safe out there on New Year's and stuff. Yeah, definitely be safe out there. We want to thank everybody at uh, at Metal Sucks. We can't afford to lose all a our, single yeah, listener. Right. <laughs> <laughs> thank all of you listeners. Uh, thanks to Kirk Winston for this episode and uh and keep listening subscribe on itunes and all that good stuff have yourself a happy holidays and a happy new year and all that stuff i am chickity chuck i'm godless and this is the metal sucks podcast Let's